we're first and foremost a sneaker and apparel brand that incorporates NFTs into product ownership. And why do we do that? Because it allows us to live at the intersection of physical, digital, and experiential. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, disruption, technology, innovation, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, back here in the almost middle of August 2022 with my recently vacationed co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, how's it going? Uh, great, Joe. Thanks. It was nice. I got a break. Um, got to leave the heat wave of the Northeast and spend some time in Southern California near San Diego. and where it was literally uh, just perfect weather every day. And we're, we're reminded that uh, they, they've got a nice thing going down there in that part of the country. I have a little bit of a drought condition, but I was really close to the ocean, got to swim in the ocean, really enjoyed the week. So it's good to be refreshed back and ready to talk. And we got a topic today that I'm excited about, but I first wanted to ask you, cause we haven't talked since this aired the other night. This is now, I think, the premiere of season, I believe, 22 of Hard Knocks mm -hmm. was on the other night. And I'm, I'm yep. hoping you watched it. I did. As I, I did. did. Good. I thought it was really good. Um, I think they've kind of had a lot of ups and downs that show. But it is interesting to note in this era of shoulder programming, these behind the scenes things that have, are kind of taking over sports programming, like uh, Drive to Survive and things like that. It is interesting to think that that's been going for 20, almost 21 years. Um, and I have to say, it's kind of the same formula, but it kind of worked, at least for me, in week one. I didn't even read the reviews. That this is my own personal opinion, So I, and I haven't talked to anybody about it yet. So what do you think? So first of all, kudos to our good friend, Ross Greenberg, who came up with the original yes. idea 22 years ago. That's right. Uh, and is still surviving and thriving. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, I actually, I always find the first show good because it sets the table. Um, one of the more ironic things is we didn't learn a lot about players. And I think that's unfortunately the issue with the lions is there was much more about the staff and the staff was really interesting. The, the back and forth with who it was, it Kerry Glenn and Deuce Staley going back yeah, and forth. That was pretty classic. <laughs> right. I mean, I've never, I've never, well, it, was, it was friendly. They said they were close friends and it was just Ooh, there was friendly, friendly trash talking. Yeah. But they were, I, it's funny. I was at jets practice on Wednesday morning and did not see the coaches like, getting each other's grills and yelling at each other. And, um, you know, but I think for the lions, they got to do this. Now, the interesting thing about it is obviously how it plays out. And we learn more about the players and the families and they'll do the same kind of segments. Um, but I don't think anybody knows anything about the lions. And I thought it was, I always liked those kind of downtrodden stories, figuring out how it works. Um, you know, the kind of like the fans from major league, there's like the three people sitting in the stands with the lion hat on, um, you know, and, uh, you know, interesting coach, interesting stories. You know, th the one thing I will say at the end, which I had forgotten, they teased the fact that they're doing hard knocks during the season with the Arizona Cardinals with a piece yeah. of that at All the right. end of it, too. So right. um, the one thing that does surprise me is, you know, you would think that people would have learned off of um, um, all the Chicago Bulls stuff that there is a, you know, an interest in this stuff. And I don't, I looked and the lions really aren't doing like a podcast around hard knocks. Mm -hmm. And with all the innovation that's going into this multiple drones and everything, I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't an investment on the team of the NFL to do additional programming in addition to like the HBO max stuff that you could see that were outtakes. So, right. but yeah, I mean, great show, excited to see it. 
Um, I watched that and then I watched the final two and a half hours of Stranger Things, which I thought was bizarre because used to be something two and a half hours is called a movie. Now it's just called the last episode. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and by the way, don't say anything more because I'm not caught up. But Joe, anyway. let's go back to Hard Knocks for a second because there was a segment that they could use as the foundation of their social media promotion for this season. Do you, my favorite part of Hard Knocks oh, the episode one, oh my God, Aiden Hutchinson yeah. doing Billie Jean yeah. and the yeah. crowd going, the guys going crazy. Yep. I don't know why they wouldn't turn that into a TikTok video if they haven't. Maybe they did. I, I, I would know. hope that they have. Oh, I mean, my God. Going. That was honestly the best rookie singing segment they've ever yeah. had in that show. I've watched every season. Yeah. Um, it was hysterical. And boy, that guy was a natural entertainer. It was it was classic. So yep. anyway, I also, you know, before we get to our actually this kind of transitions to our guests and technology um, is the fact that they have, I think it's like 40 drones. So they've cut back tremendously on the players on the, uh, the the camera people that will be in the rooms or in places and they have more access to footage than they've ever had before. Now, I don't know how the drones buzzing around players' heads is really going to play out once they get a little bit closer, but it is the preseason. So I'm looking forward to following it all the way through and learning more about the Lions, which is more Absolutely. Important. Yeah, no, it's, suddenly I'm a little bit more interested in this team than I was a week ago. So that's mm -hmm. that's good for them. So, yep. so anyway, um, so... We're going to talk, you know, I mentioned disruption and we love talking about disruption and first adopters and getting into things. And there's um, kind of a blue ocean topic that is sitting out there that literally walked into me almost in uh, a hotel ballroom in uh, in Las Vegas. And I've now seen this, Tom, you and I have a colleague, which we won't get into, who is touching on a similar area. Um, but the idea of what do you do with NFTs? Are they important? And can they be tied to something else which down the road will give tremendous value in build community. So long story short, um, I was at the hashtag sports conference standing in a room and I had a Columbia shirt on. And again, it shows the value of showing up. And this guy comes up next to me, he goes, oh, I went to Columbia. First of all, he didn't know that we had a graduate program, which is a little bit disconcerting to me. He went to an undergrad. <laughs> Allegedly, said, I'm pretty sure right. I mentioned it. <laughs> but he said, he said, my name is Ben Jones and I'm here in the NF, I'm doing an NFT tied to, tied to and I stopped him and I said, stop. Everybody's here is is doing something NFT. So tell me something else about it. And he said, well, it's tied to sneakers and a sneaker drop and communities. And I immediately became more interested because as we've heard Gary Vee and Michael Rubin and so many other people say, you know, the, the utility of NFTs and building community is nice. How you build value add without just somebody showing up and doing like a meet and greet is different. But when you can tie it to the tangible and having gone to the national sports show in Atlantic city two weeks ago and saw one little booth of NFTs and thousands and thousands of cards and signed shirts and everything, I was immediately intrigued. So, so uh, he said, my name is Ben Jones. I was undergraduate at Columbia. He'll go through his story when we talk. And he said, I'd love you to meet really our co-founder and our partner, Bennett Collin, who really came up with the idea, but had a different, approach because he came from the blockchain crypto world. So that's how we got to where we are right now. I don't want to kind of spoil any more of it, but Ben Jones and Bennett Collin, welcome to the Cusp Show. We can't wait to hear your story. Thanks for having us. Pumped to be here. Yeah, cool. thank you. So so Bennett, Ben, why don't you start us off about how we met and then Bennett, you, you know, you can introduce Bennett and kind of go through the, all the, the backstory. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, I, I 
noticed the uh, Columbia polo at the at the conference, and that got me all hyped up. Love seeing the the blue lion uh, anywhere I go. Um, but I was at the conference because um, Bennett and I and, and our whole team uh, think that the, the intersection of of sneakers and NFTs. Um, apply especially well to um, the athlete in the sports and the entertainment space. Um, there's a there's a ton of applications uh, of the NFT, but but also the sneaker, um, and there's a lot of cultural relevance and, and cultural applications there. Um, and you know, we were, we were there to meet a lot of people, and, and uh, luckily, Joe, you were you were rocking that that polo that day, so um, happened to bump into you. Um, but I guess to to back up a bit. Um, and, and introduce Bennett. So, um, and it or N State uh, is a sneaker company natively incorporating NFTs into the ownership experience. Um, I was first introduced to N State back in uh, about mid 2021 um, by a friend at BC who, who knew of Bennett because he teaches there. He's a professor of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, By the way, a class that Tom Richardson will be taking virtually somewhere. Really? In the really? <laughs> Sign me up, Bennett. Well, hopefully you got room in your class this fall. I've got, uh, I've got the recordings of my entire 2022, uh, Ooh, or sorry, nice. 2020 curriculum that I did remotely, of course, due to COVID. Oh, so I can, yeah. okay. I can send you over a big zip file. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yeah, it's, go, go it's, a, uh, it's a highly coveted uh, class spot, uh, so I've heard. So um I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll sneak yeah. in there, Tom. But um, yeah, I was introduced to Bennett. I've, I've been a lifelong sneakerhead, um, so kind of check that box. I had recently begun getting interested in um, NFTs, and you know, as some of those huge crypto punk sales were hitting like headlines, and um, NFTs were just starting to get into the mainstream in early 2021, and, and that that piqued my interest. Um, so uh, I was looking throughout the space. My friend mentioned that that Bennett was starting up. Um, and stayed and it really just made a lot of sense to me. So um, I reached out, uh, started on part-time as, as a community manager running the Discord, um, and then ultimately left my um, two years in, in banking behind me to, to join NState full-time as director of growth, which uh, has been super exciting. Um, and, and Bennett and, and, uh, and the other co-founder of NState, Stephanie Howard, have been an incredible team to, to work for. Um, so yeah, with that, Bennett, uh, I would love to, yeah, it would be great yeah. if you could provide more more color on your background, right. how you got into blockchain. And, and, and also explain what the business is, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I have been in blockchain since Jaws was a goldfish um, a really, really long time uh, in terms of the industry itself. Um, it's funny, there's actually a couple waves, right? Like, so I got in like 2015-ish. So the people who were in since like 2010, I was like a newbie, but now being in since 2015 kind of makes me a, a gray beard in terms of the overall industry. But anyway, I had founded a company called Cognate, which used blockchain to help businesses protect trademark rights. So essentially what we were doing is turning trademarks into NFTs. So we we're making an on-chain representation of this IP that would help people protect their trademark rights because the underlying records that are on a blockchain are timestamped and tamper-proof so people can enforce, yeah, I was using this trademark at this time or in this location. Um, and then the eventual goal was to build a marketplace of essentially IP represented as NFT so it could easily be bought, sold, and licensed. 
Um, so that company, Cognate, was acquired by GoDaddy in 2018. We had some really great success internally there for about uh, a year until there was a leadership change and the new leadership was not as bullish on blockchain as the group that had acquired Cognate. Um, so the idea of sort of this secondary marketplace of IP um, never really took root, but the silver lining was it gave me space to work on end state. Um, and as a lifelong sneakerhead, I've always thought that the top, the tech that we built at Cognate would apply really well to sneakers. I actually wrote the business plan for end state, you know, before Cognate was even acquired by GoDaddy, just because I always thought it was such a natural fit. Um, and when I was thinking about leaving GoDaddy after the blockchain project was shut down, I was thinking, okay, is this a platform that I'm building for other brands to sort of tokenize or create NFTs for their footwear and apparel, or is it a native brand? And the more I thought about it, the more it became evident that the biggest and most exciting opportunity would be to create a new footwear brand that natively incorporated NFTs into the product ownership experience. So having never made or designed a sneaker in my life, I went looking for a co-founder who could bring that experience to the table. Um, I was actually lucky enough to attend a webinar where N-State co-founder Stephanie Howard was speaking um, about her experience as a designer. Um, and I realized that she was based in Boston. So I added her on LinkedIn and just sort of bothered her for like three or four months about this idea I was working on. And this was before NFTs had really hit the mainstream. Um, and, you know, as our discussions progressed, NFTs all of a sudden exploded and it became really evident that the time for a business like NState was now. And so Stephanie and I both quit our jobs in May of 2021 to co-found NState. Um, and to answer Joe's question of what does NState do, uh, we're first and foremost a sneaker and apparel brand that incorporates NFTs into product ownership. Um, and why do we do that? Because it allows us to live at the intersection of physical, digital, and experiential, right? So everything starts with the physical product. We have to have a high quality premium sneaker where the design looks great, where people want to buy it, right? That's kind of the table stakes. So luckily we have Stephanie and another designer, Dave, on staff who are phenomenal at what they do. Um, and we're making these really high quality sneakers. The first few drops that we've done have been made in the US using premium materials and they look great. Um, and then by incorporating the NFT, uh, we can open up some things on the digital side. Um, the first thing, just given my background, is authentication, right? So we can authenticate that this pair of sneakers is legit because each pair of sneakers comes tied one-to-one -to, -one to the corresponding NFT. And we actually embed an NFC chip inside of the sneaker that you can scan that then pulls up the corresponding NFT so you can authenticate the pair of sneakers. Um, and then there's all the you know, other sort of digital applications like you know, having a wearable version of the sneakers that you can walk around in the metaverse or video games or social applications. Um, and then the final pillar of what we do is experiential, right? So what does this NFT slash sneaker get you by owning it? Um, and we really like the idea of sort of building these experiences around it because our primary you know, go to market is through partnering with athletes, artists, entrepreneurs, um, you know, people with embedded audiences who are going to be passionate about a collaboration um, and then building those experiences out. Right. So, for instance, we just um, signed Devante Smith, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, to do a signature sneaker with us, which we're super excited about. He's obviously phenomenally talented on field, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, two time national champion at Alabama. But um, he's also a great person off field and he's super stylish, right? He dresses up custom suits to every game he goes to. Um, and we're really excited about thinking about, okay, we're getting a signature sneaker, which is cool. Sneaker is going to be amazing. 
you're going to sell it through NFTs. Um, and then what do the holders of it get? And we're doing things like putting a tailgate together for holders and building in some interesting product experiences based on his on-field performance, right? So like if Devante achieves X on-field, there's some sort of customer experience. You know, holders of the NFT get access to special in-person events, right? And so we really like this intersection of physical, digital, and experiential. And because we have the NFC chip inside the tongue, you know, you don't have to like pull up something on your phone to say like, oh yeah, I own this NFT and here's how I validate it. We can just scan the NFC chip and then they get to go behind the velvet rope at whatever experience that we put together. Long-winded yeah. answer, but that's no, what, that's, that's, that's awesome. what NSA does. Wow. And I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad you brought up that last point because this notion of marrying the physical and the digital has been widely reported and analyzed to some degree over the last year, especially when everybody realized that simple non-functional nfts may not have a long uh a long life that's something needed to be done in terms of utility functionality etc but what's interesting to watch for me and i'd love to get both your opinions on this is that you've got the physical companies like the the nikes and the under armors and many other brands that do physical things especially in the apparel world wanting to get into the web3 stuff through something like nfts and then you have digital companies that are looking to do physical things so as to bring more value for this, the community that they're trying to engender. Um, and then you have kind of what I call pure plays. It sounds like you guys where you said, no, we recognize the importance of both. We're going to focus exclusively on a seamless integration of the two. Because what you just described actually makes a lot of sense to me. Joe, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but a lot of oh. stuff I've, you and I have heard over the last year doesn't make sense to no. me. Yeah. So do you, who has the advantage here? I mean, it feels like you mm. guys are well positioned then to kind of growth hack your way to find that sweet center. Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting question. I think the, the short answer is that there's definitely room for both. You know, the existing apparel brands and footwear brands are going to enter the NFT space. I think it'll sort of be table stakes, you know, within whatever, five, 10 years. So, you know, it's not like those companies have no shot of doing things organically and, you know, sort of um, in a way that makes sense to consumers. Um, but I do think that having, um, you know, built our business model around incorporating this technology into our products and the experiences that we're building around them is a big advantage because, we don't have to retrofit our existing services. We don't have to you know, change our messaging to our customers about this is a new thing that we're introducing. People who are fans of our brand and you know, more importantly, fans of the collaborators that we're working with sort of understand this as the basic value proposition that we're putting forward instead of something that we're trying to shoehorn into what we already do. So in that way, I think it's a big advantage for brands like us that are you know, sort of starting you know, quote unquote web three native. Nice. And related to that, um, this question of like, what is the best, uh, what are the best use cases? There was a quote from your quote uh, co-founder that I found in high sobriety, high snobriety, uh, that I really thought was a, an excellent um, and simple kind of declaration of what this is about. Collectibles are a clean use case for NFTs. And I think that obviously seems to be resonating in the world that Joe mentioned of the Michael Rubens and the candies and the dappers and, and, and that stuff. But it, it, it really does kind of make sense as the evolution of the collectibles market. And Joe, I'm surprised when you told me that there was only, would you say one or maybe two quote NFT companies there? I was kind of surprised by that. I was in light of the fact that there were, 
Yeah, so. middle middle of 20. I, I think you mentioned that to me that you were surprised to see so few. Um, but talk about that. Talk about the mindset of the collectibles, collectors in the collectibles market and how that, uh, I assume, is going to be the focus, at least initially for you guys. Yeah. And, and first of all, I, I kind of really undersold Stephanie in the background there. Stephanie is phenomenal. 25 years of experience in the sneaker industry, a trailblazer there, you know, was a lead designer at Nike or sorry, at New Balance by the time she was like 24. And then she went out to be a lead designer at Nike. So she's she's phenomenal. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that gives Stephanie her due there. Um, but yeah, collectibles really make a ton of sense because um, like you said, Tom, it's an evolution of what you know, the, the properties that collectibles already have and the, you know, collectability, resale, um, NFTs sort of bring that to the next level. And one of the things I think is really interesting in the collectible space is the ability to trade the NFTs really quickly in a liquid way without having to quote unquote physically settle the trade, right? Like you don't have to necessarily send the underlying Mickey Mantle card if it's represented by an NFT, as long as the person buying the NFT is comfortable that they can always get the physical product when they request it, right? So there's this concept of kind of, you know, vaulting the physical product and then creating a, a liquid, you know, secondary market for the collectibles on top of that, um, which I think is, you know, going to be the future of a lot of the, the collectibles industry. And it's going to be, again, table stakes for any collectible of any sort of value to have a corresponding NFT as a certificate of authenticity. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, NFTs kind of became a brand unto themselves in the last year and a half, for better or worse. And I think that a lot of people have preconceived notions of like what an NFT is. It's got to be hyped. It's uh, got to have an animal, you know, attached to it. And like, I have to pay a bunch of money for it and, and whatever. And I have to like, you know, participate in this Discord server. At the end of the day, an NFT is a file format, right? It's a standard way mm -hmm. of representing data it creates a unique token for a, you know, a, an object that is not, you know, part of a series, right? It's a non-fungible unique token that's reflected on a blockchain. So you can create digital scarcity. And I think that that fundamentally is so powerful that whether or not people, you know, buy into sort of NFTs as collectibles in and of themselves, the underlying technology is really important for all sorts of, you know, physical products. And, and what, Joe, quick follow-up. Sure. And another topic related to this subject that we've covered before, but haven't gotten a great answer. You probably have a great answer. Yeah. What should the user experience be? So when you mention like I buy one, I buy the sneakers, I scan the the code, and I'm getting my NFT. What what am I what am I getting? I mean, I I know the file, the digital file, but what's the what's the consumption and presentation experience for that? gonna be so so when tied to the sneaker specifically um the first thing is just sort of an authenticity overview right so like you know we we encrypt the nfc chips so that they're tied one-to-one -to, -one to the nft so you can verify right. okay i've got a legit pair of sneakers in my right. hands but where we see it going is more enabling experiential um experiences for the people who own the NFT, right? So I've scanned this NFT and now I get to, you know, cut the line at this private tailgate we're putting together for an athlete collaboration because I, you know, I'm a big fan of the athlete and I own their sneaker, I own their NFT. Or, um, you know, if you, if you take it sort of a step further, if you think about like corporate NFTs, I'm not sure if you saw Starbucks is exploring using NFTs. 
And I think the eventual instantiation of that is something similar to a membership or rewards perks program where, you know, if you're a Starbucks NFT holder, you're again, able to, you know, cut the line to pick up your, your coffee sooner. But not only that, you know, there's going to be token gated commerce where things are only available to NFT holders or NFTs as um, particular collectibles or receipts or proof of attendance are, are really interesting too, right? So if I go to a particular event, you know, my ticket stub is now, you know, an NFT, that's a collectible. Maybe I still get both, but, you know, most people use this, you know, ticket on their phone anyway now. So then the the sort of collectible that is resulting from that instead of a paper ticket is the NFT, which, you know, people can do with whatever they want and, and you know, sort of resell it or collect it or have it in a digital, um, you know, display case that they, they share with their friends. Um, so I think there's, like the, 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 there's two different buckets of it, right? One is like specific product tied um, and that can be a physical product or a digital only product. And the other is kind of a, a receipt of some sort. And that's like, can be an actual receipt for a proof of transaction. It can be a ticket stub or it can be a PO app, which is called, it, you know, it's um, short for proof of attendance protocol where people are able to mint NFTs based on a specific event that they attended so that they can prove that they went somewhere, right? So imagine having gone to, um, you know, uh, a Beatles concert, right? When they were in Hamburg, Germany, before they blew up and you had a ticket stub to that because it was minted as an NFT. Imagine, you know, how much street cred that would get you as a Beatles fan as they continue, right? Those are the types of things that, um, you know, I think are also interesting in, in sort of the non-product related side. And just one one uh, additional question related to that. So what is, is going to be the best user experience in terms of the actual packaging of that, the receptacle? Is it a mobile application? I'll give you an example. I've been an, uh, an NBA Top Shot aficionado for about a year and a half, and I've got, I don't know, 70 or 80 moments. If we were meeting in person right now and you asked to see my Top Shots, I would have to log on to Dapper Labs, log yeah. in. It's not exactly a great experience, certainly not convenient for either me or anybody I'm hanging out with. It feels like there's got to be a better way for the actual consumption experience. What might that be in, in your case specifically? Like, would that scan take you into an end state site or an app that you're overseeing to, to unlock that functionality? It's a great question. What we get really excited about is AR and VR. So instead of you, you know, pulling up a list on your phone and scrolling through it on your phone and having the person, you know, mm -hmm. lean over your shoulder, look at it. What if instead you could trigger an AR experience and you have sort of a, a virtual wall where all these moments are, you know, and the clips are playing on loop. And then the next instantiation of that is, of course, you got a goggle on or, you know, Google Glass, right? Whenever that takes off or you know, <laughs> something where you can actually look and, and see like physically in sort of real space time your collection. I think that that's something that um, is inevitable and people are already working on. We actually... On the side of our sneakers, we have a QR code that triggers an AR version of the sneakers that, you know, you can look at through your phone, you can blow it up, you can shrink it down, um, you can try them on on your feet. Um, so I think that, you know, that experience is going to get higher and higher fidelity instead of just say, okay, I have this thing that I can show you on my phone. Yeah. Okay. Um, ben, question for you. Uh, take us through the sneaker drop so far. How's that gone? And then tell us a little bit about the Devante Smith uh, relationship and how that came about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, End State's first drop was Drop Zero uh, that released in early November of 21. Um, it was a, you know, first first drop. So it was a bit of a proof of concept. It was only 115 sneakers in total. Um, 
but sold out right away, all three colorways. Um, the first two colorways sold out uh, at a price of two sold, which was about $475 each. Um, so that was, you know, really good to prove out that the customers were there at that price point looking for a premium product. And then we also had the third colorway sell out um, at auction um, at a uh, price of maybe like 10 soul or, you know, just uh, really premium price point, luxury price point, which we thought was um, extremely validating and exciting. Um, from there, we uh, did a bit of like a, a flash drop that we kind of came up, um, came up with the, the design over the course of a weekend. And it was in support of Ukraine. When, when war broke out in Ukraine, we um, mobilized our community and, and Stephanie and, and her design team and, and uh, put together an NFT that um, all of the proceeds went to Direct Relief, which was a organization working directly on the ground in Ukraine. And um, that was super exciting. We, we think there's a lot of applications to, uh, or there, there's a lot of um, potential um, in the NFT space, I think, to, to do more charitable um, efforts and, and releases. Obviously the public nature of the blockchain, I think lends itself to um, charitable efforts. You know, anyone can audit it. Anyone can look at where the money's going and, and how it's being used. And um, that's super exciting. So yeah, that, that drop was, um, was a success and, and customers for that drop actually just recently got their physical sneakers the other week. So um, that was great to see our first, um, our, our, our next drop was in collaboration with uh, Blitmap, which um, we kind of refer to as uh, the marvel of the metaverse. It's this really interesting brand that uh, is building out like a, a suite of characters and, and stories. Um, it was founded by Dom Hoffman, who had previously founded Vine. He's a bit of a, a serial entrepreneur and, and uh, a big name in the Web3 space. So we were super excited to, to nail that down and, and uh, release um, a sneaker with them. We called it the Blit Kick. Um, so that, that sold out as well. That was great. Another, um, you know, just silhouette design from the soul up by, by our team, um, totally unique design. And, and those should be shipping out to customers here shortly, which is very exciting. Um, and then just this week, uh, it's currently live. We released drop two. Um, so it was our second completely end state native drop. Um, our biggest collection to date, a thousand NFTs, um, it was our first drop to incorporate uh, rarities in the NFTs. So they have varying characteristics um, across six different tiers of rarities. Um, we even uh, added four one-of-one -one NFTs into the collection. We collaborated with four different artists to add a bit of a, um, you know, an exciting kind of uh, roll the dice type feeling to, to minting because you might get one of these super special pairs. Um, and then, you know, as with everything end state, there, there's a physical um, component to that. So the, the physical sneaker that you receive will reflect the uh, digital rarity that your NFT um, shows, which, which we think is, is super exciting and, and is not something that, that's been done before. Um, so that's great. And then, yeah, coming up uh, here in, in, you know, a very short period of time, we have the Devante sneaker. Um, designed him a completely new silhouette. It'll be releasing across three different colorways. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the same sort of model. Customers will, will mint the Devante Smith signature sneaker NFT. Um, several weeks after that, they'll be able to redeem the NFT for the physical sneaker. Um, and then, you know, they'll, they'll take receipt of that physical sneaker and, and, and gain access to all of the experiential value there. Um, and I guess one thing that uh, Bennett 
and I haven't haven't touched on yet is that like redemption period. Um, so that's intentionally uh, staggered from the mint drop um, to uh, add in like a, a period of increased secondary trading and liquidity, which you know we've touched on. Um, liquidity and, and secondary trading for collectibles is is a huge part of um, people's interest in it. I think you know as I mentioned, I grew up a sneakerhead and. Um, I think one of the first things that drew me to it was this like entrepreneurial kind of um, trading aspect to it, right? Like I feel like kind of our, our generation's lemonade stand was reselling sneakers. Um, so that uh, is something we, we really think about. We're always trying to put our, our um, you know, sneakerhead cap on and, and think about what, what part of the flow or, you know, how we can optimize the, the customer experience for um, people who really like sneakers. And by um, delaying the redemption period and, and waiting for the NFTs to, um, or so we delay the redemption period. And, and during that uh, event, that's when um, users input their size and shipping information. And then the NFT metadata is reflected or is updated to reflect that. Meaning before that redemption period uh, for about a month after the mint, the NFTs are uninitiated. And um, you can trade with anyone, right? You're not looking for a size 12 or a size six and therefore paying a higher cost or you know, all the stress involved there. You're just looking for the NFT, um, which we think is, is, is really cool and obviously only possible with NFTs. Hey Ben, you mentioned Sol a couple of times. I assume you're, you're referring to uh, Solana uh, currency. Is that yeah. correct? Okay, yeah. so is the, is the way you get into end state right now with these drops only through crypto um so no uh our, our so we are completely chain agnostic so we've our first two drops from solana are our, our, our most recent two have been on ethereum um but we also have credit card functionality in, in our most recent okay. drop so uh you don't need a to be web3 native at all you can go to the the, the website with an amex and, and check out and um we partner with this company called paper that uh will basically email you a magic link that generates, you know, your own custodial wallet uh, for, for that, for our state NFT. Cool. Hey, um, can you um, just quickly kind of walk us through either one of you, the relationship with Devante Smith, how it came about? Um, I'm assuming he had a sneaker deal at one point, obviously doesn't now. And then what is his role? You know, we've seen the, the athlete entrepreneur investor. What is his role in, in the process right now uh, in terms of where the company is? Yeah, so we got connected to uh, Devante through one of our advisors, um, and he put us in touch with his agent. And so we had a, a number of conversations about doing a signature sneaker deal. Obviously, as a super fashionable guy, it was something that caught his attention. Um, and then, you know, our design team put a couple of prototypes and, and design concepts together. Um, and, you know, we were able to hammer out the, the business side of things, too. So we were... Um, fortunate enough to sign him this summer. And now, like Ben mentioned, uh, we're in development of three different colorways. We're, you know, pretty far down the, the prototyping process. Um, so we're, we're getting close to um, being ready to, um, you know, announce the sneaker drop and, and, you know, when that's all coming up. In terms of his role, um, he's our, our collaborator. Um, first and foremost, he's not an investor um, uh, in the company. Mm -hmm. We're um, just working with him to, to create the signature sneaker. But the way that we think about these collaborations is really about elevating 
the collaborator's brand, right? So in this case, you know, the athlete's brand as opposed to our own. A traditional endorsement deal would be, you know, hey, you famous athlete or famous musician or whatever, you pump up, you know, Nike or Adidas or whoever signs you. We look at it the other way around. It's like, okay, let's do this deal with you. You put your fingerprints on the design. You work with our designers. We're going to have, you know, Devante's logo on the sneakers. Um, and it's about the athlete more so than it is about the brand. And I think that's the way the future is going, right? A lot of these athletes are brands unto themselves. They're very brand conscious um, in terms of building, um, you know, their brand and their brand recognition to, you know, open themselves up to opportunities both during and after their playing days. So we really like this model and it's really resonated with both Devante and a few of the other athletes that we're having conversations with and, and we'll be announcing soon is that, you know, A, they get design control, which is just cool and fun to be able to design your own sneaker and B, it's about building their brand um, in, in addition to getting a signature sneaker. Hey, Bennett, I want to ask you in our remaining time, which is about 10 minutes, uh, about teaching, uh, and I want to spend a few minutes on that. But quickly, can you just tell us how you're capitalized? Like, what's what's behind End State right now? Yeah, so we raised uh, a seed round uh, back over the winter, a five five point five million dollar seed round back over the winter. So we were funded by um, institute institutional VCs and well, some angels. Um, you know, we have a great cap table from you know crypto focused funds like archetype and castle island as well as sort of traditional venture capital funds like accomplice up here in boston which you know is early in, in DraftKings and it's um, a really great reputation um and then we gerard mayo is also on our cap table and we have a couple of other mm -hmm. strategic folks who are you know both tied into the sports world and web3 is it safe to assume that you were the first professor of blockchain and crypto in the graduate, in the master's program, the, the business program at BC, is that a safe assumption? At BC, definitely, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that means you had to create a syllabus, correct? No, that's boy. right. Yeah. Having never taught before, I had to create okay. a syllabus. Okay, so let's and... talk about that because I had to do this for Columbia back in 2014 about digital. What did what was your first step? Because this is a really tough topic to explain, even in cocktail parties and, you know, hanging out with friends, uh, not, not to mention classrooms. What did you do and how did you get that approved and how have you evolved this since you started teaching? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first step, obviously, was to have someone else send me their syllabus and then like cut out the word like finance and insert right. the word blockchain. <laughs> right. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I just sort of thought about my journey to learning the subject matter and thought about like the kind of sort of natural steps of the concepts that you need to get a handle on before you can build up to more and more complex concepts. So that's the way I structured the course, right? So the first couple of weeks are what is blockchain? How does it work? We go through blocks, we go through mining, just sort of like the fundamental concepts that you need to understand of, okay, why is this a powerful technology? Why can't anyone change the blockchain? Why is it more secure than a traditional database? And then we go into Ethereum and smart contracts and, and you know, just sort of build on the complexity and work up to things like NFTs and decentralized finance. Wow. So do, do you use any textbooks? I'm sure there was maybe some pressure from the academic types to include a textbook, but I don't know what you would use at this point since it's changing so fast. Yeah, I just flatly refuse because, yeah. I mean, the reading materials are like YouTube videos, podcasts and articles, right. and exactly. they're like... They're like, no, this has to be peer reviewed, whatever. I'm like, no, it's just, there's, there is nothing peer reviewed. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, yeah. that's because I have the same challenge in digital. Like I've used books previously, but 
even books that are two or three years old are seem wildly outdated when you review them mm-hmm. semester to semester. Um, so, so is it cool? Like, are you, you know, things like, um, I don't know, like the Andreessen Horowitz, you know, the NFT canon and Chris Dixon podcast, things like that. That's the kind of stuff you might assign for this class. Yep, absolutely. Oh, nice. So I am, I am actually working on compiling all of my lectures and everything that I've sort of put together in, in sort of one, it's not a book, but like a course packet. Right. So it's just oh, nice. all in one place. Um, but that's been a project that sort of fell on the back burner since end state started having that time to give that its its attention. But yeah, I mean, it, it changes from semester to semester and week to week. I've had semesters where I like blew up the second half of the syllabus to like focus on, you know, when ICOs were hot or when, you know, right. NFTs were hot to focus on things because that's what's interesting and relevant or like even, you know, the regulatory picture, all that stuff changes so quickly in the space that it's, you know, you can't, you can't even keep your syllabus, you know, consistent from, week to week, exactly. much less yeah. assign I mean, a textbook that was written like three years ago. I, I assume it's become a popular class. Yeah. So it's, it's always got a pretty long waiting list. Wow. Well, just like yours, Tom. So. <laughs> um, hey, um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead Tom. Yeah. I, actually just more quick one. Cause we're running out of time, but I'm curious yeah. about your thoughts on this. Cause this is something that Joe and I have been paying attention to. Anybody in the sports business proper has been watching unfold these last few months. There was this rash of crypto sponsorships by by the crypto companies over the last year, some of which were highlighted in the Super Bowl. You've probably seen the charts that shows the decline in a lot of those companies, certain leagues actually, or certain companies getting out of those deals. The the, the story that was widely reported last week about Joe NWSL getting uh, in financial uh, some straits because of the decline of, forget their sponsor. What do you guys think of that? Because it seems like the default for crypto companies for customer acquisition is go to sports and start paying a lot of money to get your name out there. So quick opinion on that. It's tough because I feel like that's a sound strategy in terms of customer acquisition. But I also think sometimes it adds to that perception we talked about earlier, like NFTs and and crypto sort of just being purely hype based, right. And, And trying to get more people in it at all costs. Um, I think it's really tough because crypto is used as an all-encompassing term and there's a lot of things involved in it, right? And a lot of times it's presented as, or at least perceived as something that's an investment or an investment class or things that I should be putting money into. And like, what tokens would you suggest? I get this question all the time. Like, what token should I be buying? And I feel like that's we're going to have to evolve past that at some point in order for the industry to really move forward. So I I don't, I have no opposition to, you know, these companies advertising on sports venues and, you know, doing the naming rights deals and advertising during the Super Bowl. But I think the industry as a whole is going to have to like move past, like, you know, Hey, you need to think about this uh, as an investment class and, and, you know, get this, um, you know, open up your account and make sure you have crypto. Like that's probably good advice like you you should have some but like leave that to your you know financial advisors or do your own research i don't think like onboarding the masses through a super bowl commercial to get them you know investing in their crypto accounts is necessarily um the best foot for the industry to put forward cool um last two questions uh ben you could take one and bennett maybe take the other one ben for you um how do you stay up to date as you're doing all this kind of inboarding of new partnerships. What sites do you go to, both sports, finance? Um, do you, are there any podcasts that you listen to? And then Bennett, 
you know, we touch on some of the advice, but, you know, if there is advice for newbies or career changers or your students, you know, what do you give them? So Ben Jones, why don't you start us off with one and then Ben, we could wrap up with the other one. Yeah, that sounds good. A um, lot, lot of answers to this, I guess. Um, I'd echo what, what Bennett said about, you know, uh, providing materials for his class, like podcasts and, and, and YouTube videos and, and articles, I think are, are really great. And they're being written, um, you know, some of them are written by, by people at the kind of bleeding edge of the, the space. Um, one specific podcast that I love is Web, Web3 Breakdowns. Um, I don't know if you guys know of Invest Like the Best um, by Patrick O'Shaughnessy. He, he owns like the Colossus uh, family of podcasts and then Web3 Breakdowns is kind of amongst that. It's hosted by Eric Golden, who's a, um, you know, a friend of the company. Bennett, you're, uh, you know, you're close with Eric and, and he's been super supportive of End State and uh, um, he's had, you know, some pretty incredible guests. So highly recommend Web3 Breakdowns. Uh, you mentioned Chris Dixon. Um, he's done a bunch of great, interviews he had a really good one with um tim ferris and naval um which is uh like uh it's like a primer on the entire web3 space and i think that's a great place to start for anyone um who's looking to just dip their toes in it and then in terms of like staying staying up to date i think it i think twitter is a really good spot to be i mean it's like drinking from a fire hose and some of the quality might not be there all the time but if you follow the right accounts and uh you know, including end state, we, we know there's, there's some good, good uh, sources of, of info there. And, and uh, I think being in, engrossed in the, in the culture and um, really being true to our web three native kind of uh, our, our web three nature is, is important. And Twitter is a, a big part of that. Cool. Bennett, take us home. Advice for getting into the space is first of all, you know, doing your, your homework and research, but then, you know, being, useful and finding things that interest you right so i think ben's story is a perfect example ben was a sneakerhead he was interested in crypto and got interested in nfts um and then you know came across end state and was able to you know add value as a community moderator he started out part-time uh and then came onto the team full-time i think that's a great way to go in that you know find something that you're passionate about there's now Web3 crypto related, um, you know, companies in just about any vertical you can think of. So starting in something that you're already interested in and then thinking about where it might be going, um, you know, especially if it's, you know, powered by or improved by Web3 is a really good, good way to go. Um, and then in terms of investing, like I'm not, you know, I don't give financial advice, obviously, but, um, you know, I think it's a good thing to look into to get some small exposure to to the space now. But um, I definitely avoid telling people like, you know, go buy this, you know, this coin, it's the next, you know, it's the next Bitcoin or the next Ethereum. There is no next Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? Um, but, you know, research because there are a lot of interesting projects out there and, um, you know, NFT communities tend to be very welcoming and open to. So, you know, find something that resonates with you and start there. And then, you know, I have a feeling that most people then expand and, and find other things within the space that are interesting to them. So you're Great. not going to tell me if I should sell my Dogecoin? <laughs> no, Come I can't on. tell you that. That's no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to go to the moon and it didn't work out that way. <laughs> anyway, uh, wow, guys, that was fascinating. Joe, thanks for setting this up. Yeah. Uh, really good, good convo. Um, um, we're going to wrap yeah. now, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're done on time. Uh, well, thanks, guys. We've been talking to the uh, co-founder of End State, Bennett Collin, 
and the head of growth, Ben Jones, who very fortuitously met Joe at Hashtag Sports like a month ago. So you just never know how this stuff's going to come about. But absolute pleasure to uh, to meet you guys and hear about this business, which is very, very interesting. I think it's fascinating personally. Um, it sounds like you really kind of are in that center center area that kind of makes sense, at least uh, to some of us uh, strategically, and that probably will pay off over time as more people get into this business. So um, we can find you all. I just checked Twitter at NState. Uh, so that's always a good move to follow the, follow the company. Uh, any other contact information, things to check out that you'd want to shout out before we finish? We're at NState on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then our Discord channel is also really active and a great place to interact with the company. You know, the whole team is on there answering questions and, you know, talking to, you know, customers and people who are buying the NFTs. So um, those are the three best places to find us. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you guys on behalf of Columbia. And um, we will follow your progress. And maybe at some point, if you find yourselves in New York, you can stop by. I know Ben. Jones would like to stop by again, visit the <laughs> campus, but I'm um, always looking for good speakers to come into our classes if, if we're not stealing too much of uh, your valuable prof professorial time, Bennett. Uh, <laughs> but that would be fun. Anyway, Joe, thanks uh, for setting this up. As I said, really, really wonderful uh, conversation. Yash, thanks for producing behind the scenes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.